welcome to this week's edition of Dying Breeds with me, Gervais Serene. Throughout the series, I'll be taking a peek into the lives of people who prefer things the way they used to be, without all this needless modernization as the world hurtles to hell in a handcart. Shoeshine boys, boot blacks, spitshine tommies. Call them what you will, you don't see many of them these days on the street corners of British towns and cities. So I wanted to investigate whether people now favour training shoes or plimsolls over sensible, sturdy footwear that lasts. Am I old-fashioned for taking pride in my weekly unleashing of the bristles and brushes when maintaining my quality leather wear? And what remains of those who make a profession of this task? Well, I went to Marlebon Railway Station in London to find out how one of the few remaining shoe shiners is faring. The 11.23 service to Oxford will depart from the far end of Platform 1. I'm on the main concourse here at Marlebone, and I'm looking for Jimmy, who, um... Ah, I think that must be him over there by that brick wall. Oh, how wonderful to see another person who takes pride in their appearance, unlike most of the sights we're confronted with these days. And that beige apron is absolutely my favourite shade of green, like the clippings from the lawnmower on a summer's morning. <laughs> now this is a turn-up, a lengthy queue of customers waiting to receive his services. <laughs> Hello, Jimmy. I'm Gervais Serene from the Dying Breed series. We spoke on the telephone. Ah, uh, good morning, Gervais. Uh, forgive me, I won't be a second. Thank you so much, Jimmy. You're a lifesaver. Great advice as always. I don't know what I'd do without you, mate. For the benefit of our listeners, I'm looking at quite a throne-like chair for the customer raised up on a dais with Jimmy on a lower level at their feet. And Jimmy's cleaning materials are meticulously laid out like cockle shells all in a row to coin a familiar nursery rhyme. <laughs> and you must be very happy with the state of your shoes, sir. There's not a mark on them. Oh, he's brilliant. I mean, you can see how popular he is. Oh, but you're taking them off. What on earth for? Ah, politics, mate. I work for Adidas. So these Oxfords are just for the commute. I change into trainers before I reach the office. It wouldn't look right otherwise. Right, catch you in a couple of weeks, mate. Keep the change. Ah, oh, thanks, Steve. Bye. Well, how delightful to receive such first-rate customer feedback, Jimmy. <laughs> now, I wanted to start by asking Oi, you... You can't jump the queue? Oh, no, 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 far from it. Uh, I'm recording a documentary... Can I sit down then, Jimmy? Uh, or is he going to... Uh, yeah, uh... yeah, sure. Um, pop yourself down, Bill. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, I wondered how you came to be a shoe shiner. I've been having a mare since my last shine, Jimmy. Uh, I've done what you suggested, mind, uh, but the other neighbours started kicking off now. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just wondering. Uh, no, how... no, no, I'm sorry, Gervais. Uh, I'm under the cosh here. Uh, would you mind coming back a bit later today when I'm less busy? Yeah. As I was oh, saying... Oh, well, um, of course, uh, I'll just, um... So, a the one on the right seems to be some self-styled expert in Japanese knotweed. Mm -hmm. But I've told him till I'm blue in the face that not every plant with little white flowers...
Well, in the hours that have passed, I don't think there's an inch of this station that I've not perused. The last of London's termini to be built, it opened in 1899, I've learned, and with only half the number of platforms as originally planned. Well, at least it makes for a less hectic station, although I'm afraid the same can't be said for Jimmy's queue, which has not abated in the slightest. So, I'm going to have to shelve common courtesy just this once. Hello again, Jimmy. Might I join you? Um, well, if Wayne doesn't mind being in your programme. Oh, not at all. I'm an avid contributor to many a transmission. Uh, 15th of April, 1984. Do you remember the edition of That's Live when they asked the public to provide words to the theme tune? Um, no, I don't. But I do believe Esther Ranson is a third cousin on my father's side. Oh, the teeth you do... should investigate your family tree. I've done mine, both sides. No royalty, though. Anyway, you've come on the right day because I am Jimmy's most frequent customer. Isn't that right, Jimmy? Indeed you are. How often do you come for a shine, Wayne? Once a week, like clockwork. I wouldn't dream of going anywhere else. Jimmy's advice is a godsend. Advice? On what? Shoe maintenance? Oh, no, that's his providence. Advice on anything, really. There's nothing he can't help you with. He's been very, very useful in helping me find a date, actually. It can be very challenging living on your own, you see. Mm, yes. It's just me, you understand. I have a quite sizeable corner sofa unit, and it's a shame not to be sharing it with anyone, do you see? Anyway, I must say, when I was here last week, I'll admit it, Jimmy, I was dubious about what you suggested, but I shouldn't have been. I should have had more faith in you, do you see? I'm sorry about that. Jimmy, uh, what, um, what was your advice? Um, well, Wayne here's been trying various things to meet a life partner without success. And all I said was, the only thing you've not tried is walking around wearing a sign. A sign? Yes, a sign. A sign saying, <laughs> not looking for a date. I was dubious, like I said. I didn't really. And did you, Wayne? I did. And within minutes, a very nice lady comes over to me and says, you're Wayne, aren't you? I'm sure we were at primary school together. Lindsay had moved away at the age of 11, you see, but was back in the area. And she asked me what the sign was all about. We got chatting and she said, do you want to grab a coffee? <laughs> Always was a rule breaker, you see, so no sign was going to put her off her stride. And I said, yes, you wild thing, you. <laughs> I remember you refusing to wear non-black soles in the sports hall and Mr Shatwell shouting his head off at you for marking his sacred floor. By the time she'd finished racing around, it was like a snakes and ladders board. <laughs> Which reminds me, I saw an adder in my garden last week. In this weather? Nothing badder than the zigzagger on the back of an adder. It's the UK's only venomous snake, you know. Also but... known as the common European viper, of course. Which reminds me, Jimmy, why didn't the viper wipe her nose? Because the adder had her handkerchief. Everyone knows that. Well, that's great news about Lindsay, Wayne. Uh, yes, yes, thank you, Jimmy. You give the best advice. I'm meeting her for lunch later, actually, so I wanted to look my best, you know, from the ground Fantastic, upwards. Wayne. Well, you're all done. Uh, oh, no, oh, you can't have finished so soon. You must have missed a bit. Oh, oh and there's one other thing you can help me sure, with. Sure, Wayne, but um, perhaps tell me about it next week, yeah? Up you get. It's only the late bird who never tastes the worm. Pardon? You don't want to be late for your date? Oh, 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 yes, yes, I suppose you're right. Punctual is as punctual does. Thanks again, Jimmy. You're a real miracle worker. Indeed. Even the most stubborn stains seem to stand no chance. Here you go. Oh, much obliged, Wayne. Bye now. 
goodness me, I thought he'd never leave. What a Norman know-it-all. Now, Jimmy, I do have a number of questions I'd like to ask you. Jimmy, can you tell this idiot that I was here first? I just nipped to the loo, mate. Wind your neck in and chill out. Your customers really do seem to, um, need you, Jimmy. I know. It's not exactly what I... I mean, I'd prefer a job where I can just get on with it in peace and people leave me alone. Oh, so you don't... Get to the back, buddy. Push me again, I swear I'll... Just because you're wearing crocodile skin, don't make you any better than the rest of us. Oh, give over the pair of you. Jimmy, I've only got half an hour for me lunch. I need your help with something urgent. It's me auntie's funeral tomorrow, and I need you to tell me what to say at Excuse the me. You're not the only one on their lunch break. Jimmy, my mom's back in hospital, and I told her I'd FaceTime her with you. It's really important. It would so cheer her up. It's only fair, Jimmy, that these people know I've been waiting longer than all of them. Do you see those commemorative plaques over there? Well, I know them off by heart. I've reread them that many times. Should have been waiting in the queue then, shouldn't you? To be fair, it does look like he's been hanging around since the 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me, anyone would think I was feeding the 5,000 just with fewer loaves. Uh, Chavez, I'm going to have to deal with the multitude here. I'm so sorry. But I have been waiting really rather a long yes, time. Yes, yes, I, I know, my friend, but it just hasn't let up all day. Uh, look, can I suggest you come round to my houseboat this evening? It's not far, just round the corner on the Regent's Canal. Oh, very well. You have my number to which to dispatch directions. I'll see you later, Jimmy. Right, now, I, I would say come forth, but it looks like you all want to come first. <laughs> so, uh, let's toss a coin, shall we? How very vexing. Railway stations have become quite the hotbed of raised tensions and petty squabbles. And as for the lack of self-sufficiency in some people these days, all this needing to air your laundry in public with complete strangers. Hmm... Being raised by my grandparents, I was taught to be grateful for the food on the table and the roof above one's head. Snowflakes, I believe the common parlance has it. Oh, speaking of which, oh dear, it really is coming down outside and I haven't brought my galoshes. What is the point of reading the weather forecast when they can't even tell you that snow is for... Oh, who threw that? This recording equipment is very fragile. Oh, taxi, taxi! I finally managed to get Jimmy on his own aboard his floating home on the Regent's Canal. Hopefully there'll be no interruptions this time, save for the wind rattling those portholes. <laughs> Jimmy, did you learn your trade as a shoeshine when you were a child? As an apprentice, perhaps? Such valuable training opportunities on the decline these days, I'm sorry to say. Oh, no. No, no, I, I was at boarding school. Oh, me too. Which one? Harrow. I say. Uh, yes, my father went there, so there was no discussion. Presumably he wasn't a shoeshiner. Uh, no, he was an admiral in the British Navy. So I went into the army to wind him up. Oh, you served your country. How noble. And your mother? Chiropodist. Biscuit? Well, I shouldn't, but uh, yes, please. <laughs> I've just spotted a photo of you in your army uniform passing out from Sandhurst. Your parents certainly look very proud there. <laughs> How did they feel about your change of career? They didn't understand. Well, my father, really. Mum never got much of a say. Dad believes that no man should kneel at another's feet. It's lowly and unbecoming. Oh, I see. And, um... Oh, I don't speak to them anymore. Or rather, they haven't spoken to me since I was dishonourably discharged. I had no idea. 
Are you able to go into the circumstances of that? Better not to. It was a very hard time for me. Don't really want to rake over ancient history. Hmm. I think it was the ancient Greek philosopher Heraclitus who said, day by day, what you choose, what you think and what you do is who you become. <laughs> I used to be able to say that in Greek, but... Heis o Ionos Aristos Aministai Peripatris. There is only one omen to fight for one's country. Very well done on your business, Jimmy. It really does seem to be thriving, which might surprise those listeners unfamiliar with your profession. You must enjoy it. I used to, but uh, as you've seen, the customers, well, they ask too much of me. What do you mean? They expect me to work wonders. Why not do something else, then? Money. No army pension, because of... After I left, I needed money. So, stupidly, I fell into gambling... Lost a packet, ran up debts, my parents refused to bail me out. I, I don't know about you, Gervais, but I'm not the kind of person who can work just anywhere. I need to be my own boss. Let's just say I have no truck with authority anymore. But you have customers lining up to see you. What's the problem? Oh, it would be perfect if people stopped dumping their issues on me and I could just shine their shoes rather than their psyches. But oh no, they tell me all sorts, most of them. And they say how much better they feel afterwards. But I just make stuff up to get them out of the chair and on their way. It's not like I've done anything. It's all in their minds. Oh, oh, oh my giddy aunt. Oh, don't worry. Just a branch falling onto the roof. <laughs> if this rain keeps on, your home's going to become quite the Noah's Ark. Uh, might I have a top up? I'm back at Marlebone Station, somewhat delayed, I'm sorry to report. I had arranged to meet Jimmy when he started work at 7am, but nobody told me there was a railway strike planned, so the locos certainly were not in motion when I arrived at my branch line station this morning. Hmm, rather puts one in mind of the beaching acts of the 1960s. Anyway, countless bus connections later, here I am. And I can see Jimmy with a customer, as per usual. I'll just see if I can intervene. So I made a call to the mayor and said, sod your planning regulations, just you remember who created all the new jobs in this area. That soon shut him up. When you've got as many cars as I, supplemental garage space should be a basic human right. I'm not leaving the Bentley out in the elements. Not that I ever drive the bloody thing, but that's not the point. Anyway, better keep brushing, my boy, if you want to experience the purr of one of those engines for yourself. Nothing's handed you on a plate in this life, chum. You might want to think about getting an education, a solid career behind you. Right, have you finished? Can't quite see my face in them, but they'll do. Then spend it all at once. <laughs> Remember what I said? Think big, and even you could end up like me. <laughs> I say, is that a regular customer? No, he's a newbie. Hmm. Far be it from me to impose personal opinions, but... Uh... What a tiresome braggart, and exceedingly patronising to you. Did you not tell him you were an officer in Her Majesty's armed forces? <laughs> no need. Customers like him, they're relief. How so? Well, at least he didn't ask me to solve all his problems. I didn't say a word. Just got on with shining shoes, which is all I want to do. I see. Oh, and I'm sorry I'm so late, Jimmy. Could I treat you to an early lunch in the railway cafe? Sure. The strike certainly thinned out my queue, so... Uh... Yeah, let's head over. 
Hey, are you Jimmy? Uh, yeah, mate, but sorry, I I'm just heading off to lunch. No, uh, me and my ex need something sorting out. It's urgent. Daniel, it's more than urgent. It's almost life-threatening. Word is you can solve anything. And we need a solution now. We'll pay. Uh, listen, you shouldn't believe everything you hear. I'm sorry, Please? I'm... Please? We've come in from Mill Hill, and there were no trains, selfish strikers. Listen, right, we split up two weeks ago. Because you couldn't keep it in your trousers. Where's your proof, Amy? Are you calling Rabbi Jacobs a liar, Daniel? Because if you are, then you might want to tread very... Thing is, Jimmy, we bought this dog together. Solomon. Solomon! What an unusual name for a dog. <laughs> Hello there. Yeah, well, I wanted to call him DJ because he's all black, right? Apart from this cute white patch under his chin, which makes it like he's wearing a... a tuxedo, yes. They're not stupid, Daniel. I never said they were, Amy. Except I wanted to name him after my recently departed great-uncle, which is more respectful of the dead, right, Jimmy? So she gets her own way, as usual. This ain't about me. It's about Solomon and where he should live now. So anyway, Jimmy, it's obvious that he should come live with me. Well, me and my mum, because I've had to move back to hers, because we were in a one-bed and I don't know where he's been, a filthy... The proof, Amy? Proof is what you're lacking. <laughs> Lovely parks round by my mum's, and she can walk Solomon when I'm out at work. So, obviously, he should stay with me. No way is he going to your mum's. She's a feeder, Jimmy. Friday night dinners were an indigestion nightmare. I mean, who needs a whole halla each? Oh, I didn't stop you eating it, though, did it? And putting on all that weight. I'll go running now, actually. And... DJ, I'm renaming him, by the way, can run with me. You'll never be home, out chasing skirt every hour Over my every... dead body is DJ going to your guys, mum's? Guys, guys, why don't you just split the dog? What? Well, like, have him every other week? No, 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 actually cut him in half. It's the only truly just way to solve this. Fine. Sounds fair to me. <laughs> no. No. He can go and live with Amy. Oh. Well. Good. That's sorted, then. And there's your answer, guys. Sounds like Daniel really has Solomon's, uh, DJ's best interest at heart. He should go and live with Daniel. Excuse me, are you blind? You what? Either you can't see the notices prohibiting dogs on the station because this is an assistance dog, or you are willfully contravening station bylaws. Well done, Jimmy. Let's escape to the luncheon table whilst we still can. Who does this dog belong to? Him. Uh. Oh, dear. I'm now regretting that sticky toffee pudding. <laughs> I have a cholesterol test looming at my GP's and she's something of a strict Susan with me, you see. Ah, oh, don't worry, Gervais. You only live once. Hmm. Now, forgive me for prying once again, and I admit I am a mere armchair psychologist, but I've been thinking about your choice of vocation, or calling, even, and, well, given your tarnished reputation upon leaving the army, I was wondering whether all this brushing and polishing was hinting, perhaps, at an attempt to expunge a stain on your own character. How do you mean? Is there a sense of guilt you're trying to rub away? Not at all. I don't consider what I did to have been dishonourable. It's just the jargon of that institution. And what exactly did you do? Well, I don't like to talk about it because I don't want people thinking I'm some kind of big head. It attracted a lot of negative attention. Well, I, for one, would be loath to judge if you'd do me the honour of elucidating. Hmm. 
You've got to understand that tensions are high in the midst of battle and it's hard for soldiers to keep in their right minds. We'd been in the Middle East for months. In Iraq? Uh, I'd rather not say. It's still a very sensitive issue. Anyway, we'd reached a crucial turning point on the battlefield. Well, an oil field turned battleground. When you travel that region, all you see is the desert stretching out over the horizon with nothing to interrupt those infinite golden grains. Then Mother Nature meets man who really knows how to leave his mark. There are these areas just... Well, just littered with pump jacks, or, or oil horses, they're also called. Oh, those um, nodding heads shaped like anvils. Yeah, that's right. Yes, they've always reminded me of woodpeckers. Really? Well, I had a wooden toy growing up, a woodpecker on a pole, and he'd nod his head all the way down. Oh, yeah, I remember those. Anyway, one day, it was my 33rd birthday, actually, I, uh, we had our orders. We were the woodpeckers. We were told what to do, and we nodded. Again and again and again. But this... this particular day, things... Things were bad. You could you could smell burning, acrid black smoke wrapping its fingers round your lungs, your ears ringing from the blasts of shellfire. Neither side was making any ground. We outnumbered the insurgents, but still, they were well armed. I was taking refuge behind the huge structure of one of the pump jacks when another shell landed just behind us, but really close this time. We all hit the ground, desperate to avoid getting hit by debris. I mean, all it takes is one small piece of metal lodged in your brain and your mincemeat. And I could feel the, the sand up inside my nostrils because I was breathing so heavily against the ground. And, well, basically, next thing I know, I'm, I'm stepping out into no-man's land. My feet are just taking me there, despite what my head is saying. How dangerous. Yes, but, well, no. I, it was strange. All the firing just stopped. Completely. And I saw this solitary boot on the ground, covered in sand, the grains being whipped round in circles by the wind, and I was thinking, who did this belong to? And I was so deep in my thoughts that everything around me seemed silent, till I realised it really was silent. And I was standing there, holding the boot up in the air, its sole half hanging off. My goodness. i still got it, actually. It's like a... a relic. It acts as a warning, a, a reminder of the life I used to live. <laughs> anyway, I, I can't say if it was me or, or maybe something acting through me, but it was taken very badly by the top brass, who had, well, let's say... Um, Political reasons for needing that battle to continue and keep the war going. What? So you stopped the war? Oh, no. No, no, just the battle. And I regret it now. I lost my colleagues, my mates, my girlfriend. I... Everyone thought I had mental problems. They couldn't accept what happened. What some of them saw happening with their own eyes. It was easier for them to turn me into a pariah. I stopped socialising. Couldn't face dating again. Everything was just turned upside down. So, doing this, the 
the shoe shining. It helps me, Gervaise, to keep my head down. Or at least it did. I mean, now the, the queue gets bigger each day, like a, like a sand dune looming over me. This endless torrent of people wanting me to... No, needing me to clean their shoes. Well, <laughs> clean their lives. God, it's not fair. Oh, dear. Afraid nerves all round. <laughs> Would you like a coffee? No. No, no. We should get back. Sorry, Jean. I don't know what happened there. It, it just shot out of my hand. I'm back at the coalface with Jimmy, and on this occasion the mesmeric sound of brushing is absent. Perhaps you could explain what's going on with your current customer, Jimmy. Uh, yeah, Rupert here is a regular of mine. And for the benefit of our listeners, I should point out that Rupert is wearing training shoes. Uh, Rupert, surely you're in the wrong place. Well, Jimmy took some persuading, I can tell you, but he finally agreed to branch out and do trainers. Oh, sorry about that. It's my work phone. Um, yeah, I keep him stocked with this amazing stuff, uh, specialist trainer cleaning materials from ABC Mart in Tokyo. Well, uh, without wishing to deprive Jimmy of a customer, I can't help thinking that you could clean your own trainers at home, no? It's true, but A, I haven't got the time because of my job, but... Sorry. Uh, and B, I just love coming to see him. I mean, he's got such a calm vibe. Who wouldn't want to sit here and soak it up before heading back to the chaos of the office? Oh, what do you do? I'm the JVP for product experientials at Purple Banana. We're a holding hub with an increasing number of international tech companies on our slate. The office is just around the corner, or round the bend, you might say. <laughs> uh, the bosses can be pretty chill. Uh, well, they're really pushing me to defy expectations since I took over EMEA. EMEA? Europe, Middle East and Africa. Massive augmentation in my territorial playground. Such responsibility at such a tender... Well, forgive me, but you, you do look like a young Alan Jones, if you don't mind my saying. Something of the Renaissance cherub. Uh... I get that a lot. I tried growing a beard, but it's, it's still quite patchy, so... Well, no doubt you'll get there. And they keep you busy, then? Never a dull moment? Yeah. Well, I have to be network active for when the California office needs to get hold of me, which is usually at 3am London time. Dear me, what a blow to your circadian rhythm. Well, it's really important for competitive advantage that we respond in real time. And they've kitted the office out with beanbags in case staff need a creative nap. Yes, I've never quite seen the attraction of a beanbag. And so awfully difficult to get up from once you're down. Yeah, well, th that's why I'm here, really. I've been feeling pretty down, Jimmy. I know in the past you've said I should change jobs, but I've worked so hard to climb the ladder here and they've just given me stock options, so I ought to stay, really. Well, uh, far be it from me to be a sticky beak, but surely your health comes first, Rupert. Uh, the bosses should understand that. Well... I did ask if they'd recruit for an assistant, because I'm currently covering a maternity and a redundancy whilst also doing my own job. But they said none of the other JVPs had complained about overwork, so I guess I just need to apply a more blue-sky mentality and start delivering solutions. Hmm. <laughs> Any thoughts, Jimmy? Not really. 
Well, well, you just keep on keeping on, Rupert, and uh, perhaps take more advantage of those bean bags. Yeah, right. Oh, this one's urgent. Well, thanks again, Jimmy. I'll see you soon. I hope. Okay. Jimmy, that's not like you. Why didn't you offer him any advice? I'm through with all that. This is just a shoe cleaning service from now on. I'm, I, I'm not these people's therapist. Oh, excuse me, I'm, I'm going for a smoke. Another day has dawned, as well as a change of scenery. Jimmy's driving me to the cash and carry to stock up on polish. So, lucky me, I have you all to myself again, without the baying of the crowd. Um, could you just lean back, Gervais? I can't see out that mirror. Oh, apologies. My car doesn't have a passenger side wing mirror, so I always forget. Must be an old one. Oh, yes. There's nothing like a vintage car to really enhance the driving experience. <laughs> the sound of these modern engines, uh, no offence intended, well, they just don't excite me. Fair enough. Anyway, going off on a tangerine, as Matron used to say. Now, Jimmy, how long after um, leaving the army did you become a shoe shiner? It wasn't straight away. I actually got a job in a cobbler's. Oh, how interesting. My grandfather owned such a shop in our hometown. Cobbler's to the gentry, it was called. Uh, I would work there during the school holidays. Mm. Such intricate work with the tack puller and the edge iron. Yeah, well, I quit because the boss had an attitude problem. The business folded soon after anyway. Fewer people are choosing to repair shoes these days. Alas and alack, the tendency has become one of throwing away and buying afresh, yes. So, I figured I'd had enough practice shining shoes when I was Captain James Brown, so I started the shoe shine bar. That was about uh, nine years ago now. Oh, your full name is James Brown? Yes, you might say I have soul. Oh, <laughs> indeed. Actually, James Brown the singer started out as a shoe shine. Did you know that? So, he's the real godfather of soul. Oh, you couldn't make it up, could you? Oh, something's just fallen down from the sun visor. It's a black and white photograph. Oh, that. Uh, yeah, it's actually a copy of the earliest known daguerreotype of a human. Oh, yes, Louis Daguerre, one of the forefathers of photography. But um, what am I looking at here? It's a man having his shoes shined in Paris. The exposure was so long that you can't make out any of the cars speeding along the Boulevard du Temple, but you can see the shoe shiner and his customer on the street corner. Well, the shoe shine bar is certainly treated like a temple by many of your customers, don't you? A nice brogues, by the way, Gervais. You don't see many people wearing wingtips. Oh, I've even got a pair of ghillie brogues at home. Oh, you Scottish, then? Well, no, they were my grandfather's, and since his passing, I've worn them every year on Burns Night. So important to keep the memories alive. Sorry, <clears throat> such a mimsy. Off on a tangerine again. Um, hmm. uh, is it just male customers who worship at, uh, sorry, frequent your shine bar? No, women have been known to come along for a shine. There was one, uh, Sarita. She was a vicar, very pretty. Olive skin, striking green eyes. Anyway, she was having a crisis of faith. It was before they allowed female bishops, and she was conflicted over the lack of equality. So, uh, like I said, I don't want to be responsible for other people's problems and decisions anymore, but this was a while back, and she kept asking what she should do. 
Aren't you supposed to ask God, I said? I already did, she said. Right, and what did he say? He told me to become a clown, she said. And did she? Yeah, <laughs> joined a circus in France. Still sends me postcards from the town she's touring. I stick them up at the shine bar. Oh, yes, I'd noticed the myriad vistas tacked to your dais, but I'd assumed they were from a range of your customers. Nope, all from Sarita. <laughs> Golly, just as well she's in France. You'd be forever replenishing your stocks of polish if you had to deal with clown shoes. <laughs> I actually did a programme about the role of the clown or the fool, especially in Shakespeare. You may well know this, but they came across as foolish, being so entertaining, but they would often point out the faults of their masters. A dangerous game, for sure. I'm reminded of our religious studies tutor at boarding school who used to call the naughty boys fools of Christ. It's from the Apostle Paul in Corinthians, if memory serves. Uh, certain members of society would exhibit strange behaviour or flout societal conventions in the pursuit of their faith. Some would even imitate Christ himself and endure mockery and humiliation from the crowd. Well, what's that got to do with me, Gervais? Are you saying I've got it in my head that I'm some kind of messiah? Oh, uh, no, no, I, I didn't mean The only that... fools round here are the ones who think a shoeshine can solve all their problems. Oh, Wait in the car. Oh, dear. Having spent a few days with Jimmy Brown, I was starting to suspect that my presence was becoming increasingly unwelcome. Yet, a certain Billingsgate aroma just wouldn't leave my nostrils. There was something about Jimmy that simply wasn't adding up. Did he want to help people or not? Why did he really choose the vocation of shoeshiner? What was it he was trying to brush away? As we all know, some stains are indelible. I just couldn't walk away from this story. I felt duty-bound to return to Marlebin Station, win back Jimmy's trust, and dig a little deeper. It's a bright, crisp December morning, and I've just walked into Marlebin Station, past a Salvation Army band serving festive melodies. And I'm once again approaching Jimmy's Shoeshine Bar, complete with customary queue. Good morning, Jimmy. Ah, morning, Gervais. Cold one today, isn't it? I do hope I didn't cause you to bristle when last we met. I can come across as something of a goody two-shoes. At least that's what Matron used to say. Uh, no, Gervais, I'm sorry. It was silly of me. You see, I've been trying to put myself in your shoes, as it were, and from the length of that queue of customers, they'd be very deep boots to... Uh oh Please leave the station immediately. This is not a drill. Leave the station immediately. Oh, dear me. I wonder if a, a fire's been detected. I certainly can't smell burning. Does this happen often, Jimmy? Jimmy? Oh, what on earth is that? I'm seeing a, a, a light, a strong shaft of light entering the station through the glass roof above and creating a spotlight on the concourse. And, and it's moving now. It's coming towards us. Absolutely extraordinary. Oh, now it's stopped. It stopped over Jimmy, like some celestial torch beam. Oh, there's someone up there! He's gonna jump! It, it appears that someone has made their way onto the gantry just below the roof line. Evacuate the station, please. Now, you two! I know that man. Really? It's Rupert. Rupert? Oh, my goodness. Surely he's not trying to... Oh, I should have helped him. 
We have a trained negotiator on their way. The best thing you can do is get outside at a safe distance. If he jumps, he'll take out anyone he lands on. Leave the area now! Oh, 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 dear. Rupert has just thrown his mobile phone onto the station concourse. We should move back, Jimmy. Uh, oh, now I see that another police officer has climbed up to the gantry to reassure Rupert that... Oh, oh no, he must have scared him. Rupert is running uh, along the gantry. Oh, please be careful. Ah! Oh, God, he's tripped. Jimmy is holding up his hand. The spotlight is so intense now, it's impossible to see what what, what was happening. I'm having to shield my eyes from the light. Can't see if... Oh, oh, now it's fading. Yes, I can just make out Jimmy and Rupert. Rupert is standing unharmed next to Jimmy. Jimmy, how on earth did he get down safely? I don't know. I don't know. You had your hand in the air, do you remember? Yeah, I was visualising a giant beanbag, then everything went silent. Thank you, Jimmy. I never meant to... Why is everyone staring at us? You there! Oh, I'm out of here. Stop! You in the green apron! I said stop! I don't want anything to do with this! Just calm down. We've all had a shock. What's your name? Captain James Brown. Uh, Sorry, no, um, uh, Jimmy. I need you to tell me what you saw, Jimmy. I, um... We we couldn't see a thing, officer. It it was too bright. And what about you? How did you get up there? Or, more importantly, how did you get down here in one piece? I don't remember. I don't remember. But I tripped. I didn't jump. Well, can any of you three gentlemen explain this... this miracle? It defies belief, officer. Well, I can hardly write down mystery in my report, can I? My superiors won't accept that. The words of William Cooper's poem, Light Shining Out of Darkness, seem rather apt here. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. Some four months have passed since I witnessed, well, the miracle, for want of a better word. And I must say, the whole experience left me profoundly moved. It's Easter Sunday, and I'm back on Jimmy's houseboat, literally on top of it. (laughs) It's certainly much warmer than the last time I was here, Jimmy. (laughs) Oh, and what lovely daffodils in those pots, turning their heads towards the sky. Now, uh, I must ask, how is Rupert? He's much better, Gervais. He's quit his job. You haven't told him to join a circus too, have you? (laughs) No, he's running a youth club in East London, teaching kids how to code. Oh, I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds very Bletchley Park. (laughs) And what about you, Jimmy? Did that incident trigger uncomfortable memories of the Middle East for you? Well, yes and no. I mean, the reaction to what happened this time was much more positive. Not just from those around me, but, well, in my own head, I suppose. Hmm, what's been happening? Well, people have been nice about it. No one said I did the wrong thing. No one thinks I'm crazy. What? I don't think I'm crazy. (laughs) Maybe it's the times we're living in now. People want to believe in miracles. Perhaps it helps them get through and, well, cope with 
life, you know. This made me think about why I've been hiding it, this... this thing I can do. After all, it's just part of who I am. If I can't accept that, then how can anyone else? Indeed. So, it set me thinking, and I realised that I was unhappy that I'd cut off my family. Hadn't they cut you off? Well, it's a two-way street, Gervais. I think my not talking to them was me choosing the easy way out. I'm more confident in who I am now. Anyway, I got in touch with them, and they leapt at the chance to meet up. It just needed one of us to get the traffic moving again. Oh, I am pleased. It's so important to enjoy one's family whilst one still has them. Hmm. I've come to believe, really believe, there's nothing wrong with me. If my advice at the Shine Bar is genuinely helping people, then so be it. I'm just a vessel. Oh, so you're still finger-deep in polish? Oh, yes. The world rushes by in a blur, but I'm still there at my shoeshine bar. Ha-ha! <laughs> Louis Daguerre would be proud. <laughs> so you're providing not just the cleaning service, but the far more interpersonal one, too? Yeah. Oh. Well, I hope this isn't too forward of me, but might I ask for a treatment? Assuming you have your tools to hand. Sure. Let's head below deck. Oh, goody. <laughs> yes, you lead the way. You, sir, have a gift. I feel that uh, my shoes feel as good as new. Oh, I'm glad. Uh, yeah, once I'd unlaced the eyelets, the tongue became loose. I think you recognise it's no bad thing to introduce some supports, but the sole remains secure. He's referring to my shoes, listeners, and, and not to uh, what we were discussing, you understand. <laughs> oh, not expecting anyone. Uh, excuse me, Gervais. Oh, my goodness! No way! Hello, you! Or, or should I say, bonjour? Jimmy, you're looking great. Please don't tell me you hate surprises. No, no, come on in! <laughs> uh, you're back in London, then? I quit the circus and just had to come and see you, Jimmy. It was oh. strange, actually. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realise you had company. Oh, uh, Sarita, this is Gervais. Hello, Sarita! Wow, what an outfit! Are you a performer, too? Um, no, I'm making a documentary. I understand from Jimmy you've been sporting a red nose of late. Oh, yeah, although I was just saying I've hung up the clown shoes. Yeah, the strangest thing happened, Jimmy. Hmm? We've got this amazing trapeze artist and he was wowing the crowd as usual one night. Hmm? I was standing by for my entrance waiting beneath the safety net and as God is my witness, he falls. <gasps> I've never seen him fall before, but he came tumbling down through the spotlight for all to see. But the worst of it was, the bloody net hadn't been secured and just crashed to the ground with him. Nearly flattened me. Oh, I'm so sorry. What a tragedy. Oh, save your tears. He lived. Oh. And not so much as a broken bone. Bruised and battered, yes, but can you believe it? A miracle. And it set me off thinking... Whatever I came here to do, I'm done. I'm off. On to the next adventure, however crazy it may be. Bring it on. <laughs> wow. But as I was staring at him laying there on the ground, I just couldn't stop thinking about you, Jimmy. Oh. So here I am, gasping for a cupper, dying to know that you're all right, which from the looks of things you are. <laughs> Big smile on his face, too. 
What have you done to him, Gervais? Oh, nothing to do with me. <laughs> A delight to meet you, Sarita. You two certainly have plenty of catching up to do. I'll leave you to it. Jimmy, thank you once again for allowing me into your world. Oh. It's been most illuminating. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. I arrived at Marlebin Station expecting to find a down-at-heel, pardon the pun, shoeshine business facing a dwindling return in these days of plastic disposable footwear. But what I witnessed was a very different picture. A man who's learned to accept himself because of the back and forth between him and those whose shoes he polishes, very much like the action of the brush which forms the tool of his trade. Do join me next time when I'll be meeting more people living past lives in present times. The Shoe Shiner was written by Nigel Pilkington, based on an idea by Nigel Pilkington and Peter Cragg. Jimmy was played by Roger May, Wayne by Nick Mercer, Daniel by Johnny Freeman, and Amy by Jane Collingwood. Rupert was Ewan Goddard, Sarita was Kate Locke, and Wayne Forrester played the city gent and security officer. The presenter was Nigel Pilkington, and all other roles were played by Stephen Kinman and members of the company. Original music was by Michael Bennett, audio engineering by Holly Paris, and sound design was by Jude Hodgson Han. The Shoeshiner was recorded at ID Audio in London, and the Dying Breed series is copyright Nigel Pilkington and Peter Cragg 2020. <laughs>